This is the 342nd Worship to Go, the weekly podcast of Fairmount Presbyterian Church, recorded on March 3rd, 2013. Fairmount is a member of the Presbyterian Church USA in Cleveland Heights, Ohio. And now, with the gift of music, may our ears prepare our hearts, minds, and souls to worship God.
listen for God's word. It is, it is written to us in the 13th chapter of Luke, verses 1 through 9. At that very time, there were some present who told him about the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. He asked them, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, that they were worse sinners than all the other Galileans? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. Then he told a parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for the fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, See here, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and still I found none. Cut it down. Why would it be wasting the soil? He replied, Sir, I let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. The word of the Lord. you all to look at the front cover of your bulletin, or if you're near the window, to look up and look at the window a bit more. Looking into the window, we can see that the picture the artist has created for us is much bigger than this encounter in the 13th chapter of Luke. Look at all of the people gathered to hear and see Jesus. This is a common motif in our windows, because it was a common part of Christ's life. It seems that any time he stopped for too long, people gathered. Any time he traveled from one place to another, people followed. People wanted to hear what Christ had to say. Today's passage is no different. This text takes place at the tail end of a lecture that began way back at the beginning of chapter 12. And if you look at chapter 12, it's a very long chapter. So Christ had a lot to say to this gathered crowd. That text, back at the beginning of chapter 12, tells us that the crowd gathered in thousands, 
so that they trampled on one another. It was then that Jesus began to teach. He said many things to people that day. As was his habit, his words made some people happy and others upset. If you look closely in the window, you will see the faces in the crowd. Some are content, some are happy, peaceful, listening to the words of Jesus. Others are upset, disgruntled, uncomfortable with his words. The crowd, in general, has a mixed reaction. But if you look at the bottom of the window, you can see the few who I imagine snuck around behind Jesus to ask him about the murderous work of Pilate. They are clearly distressed. And one is so distressed that he can't even look at Christ, but rather sits with his hand, facing away from Jesus, with his head in his hands. Excuse us, Jesus. Pilate had a bunch of Galileans killed, and their blood was mixed with their sacrifices. A very disturbing image for the Jews at that time and for us today. Not something that we enjoy thinking about. But there isn't a real question recorded in the text. There isn't a question in their words. But Jesus seems to understand the implied question behind their statement. Did those Galileans, the ones who died, the ones whose blood was mixed with their sacrifices, did those Galileans deserve it? I don't really blame them for wanting to ask that question, but coming up short. That question represents a familiar point of view that assumes that there is a reason for suffering. They represent the commonly held belief that suffering has something to do with God's displeasure. I don't blame them for wanting to ask that question because it is a question that is still very present in our culture today. I heard it all the time growing up in South Carolina. I distinctly remember a friend of mine saying to me, my mom says my dad is in the hospital because God is trying to tell him he isn't living right. I heard it many times when visiting with patients in the ER at the hospital where I was a chaplain one summer. They would say to me, I'm here because God is punishing me. It was all over the radio stations after 9-11 when religious broadcasters would say that the events of that terrible day were a sign of God's displeasure with America. And I see it and I hear it every time Westboro Baptist Church decides to picket a funeral. This person died because God isn't happy. We all tend to do this a little bit. Every time something bad happens, we want to ask, why me? What did I do to deserve this? Jesus was in the midst of an entirely different conversation, talking to a crowd about something entirely different, but these Galileans snuck behind him, interrupting him with this deep, unasked question and he just 
could not allow people to live with the idea that God is so capricious. He says to them, do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, that they are worse sinners than you? And don't even bother bringing up those that were involved in that tower that fell in Jerusalem. Are they any worse sinners than others in Jerusalem? And then he tells them a parable about a fig tree that isn't producing. In other words, he tells them a story about something that isn't doing what it's supposed to be doing to illustrate God's nature. In that parable, the landowner wants to cut the tree down. It isn't producing, so get rid of it. But the gardener says, wait, let me try again. Let me fertilize those roots and tend to it a little bit longer. I just can't give up on it yet. Jesus is trying to tell these hurting individuals and trying to tell us that just like the landowner, we are the ones rushing to judgment. We are the ones rushing to judgment about God's actions and God's intentions. We are the ones saying the fig tree should be cut down. We are the ones saying that Pilate killed those Galileans on God's orders. We are the ones saying that so-and-so got cancer, or this happened to me because of God's displeasure. We are the ones saying those things, not God. Jesus is trying to tell those who are hurting, and he's trying to tell us that God, like the gardener in the parable, is not saying any, any such thing. God is saying, hold on, give me more time. Let me pour the waters of my spirit on you. Let me care for you. Let me reform your understandings. Let me reform your lives Let me nurture you so that you may produce abundantly. Let me nurture you so that you may live abundantly. When Jesus is confronted with the tough questions, he does not say, well, folks, class is done. Time for me to move on to the next stop on my tour. When Jesus is confronted with the tough questions, He dons his teaching hat and he creates new understandings of who God is and how God wants to be in relationship with us. Jesus is no longer with us on a day-to-day basis. He doesn't stand and teach to crowds of thousands, but the tough questions have not stopped coming. We continue to be asked where God is when bad things happen. Each of us continue to be asked how God is moving in the world today. We continue to be asked if God really cares. We continue to be asked if God even exists. How do we respond to such questions? As individuals, as a community, How do we respond 
when the tough questions come our way. As Christ's body at work in the world, we are called to stop when the tough questions come at us. We are called to stop and to teach, to reshape and reform our understandings so that we can help others know and experience the love of God who pours, you better believe it, pours manure on our souls, who nurtures our lives and our gifts so that we may, so that we may live life abundantly. We teach whether we know it or not, we teach. Today, we made promises to nurture the life of Marshall Wyeth Breedlove, to love him, to care for him, and to support his parents as they nurture and teach him to know Christ in his life. By standing and making those promises, we teach. And we teach not just in Sunday school. We teach children and newcomers alike by how we demonstrate every day the power of the gospel at work in our lives. We teach by how we treat the stranger and the outcast. We teach by how we talk about and use our money. We teach by how often we come to worship and by how we worship the one who deserves our praise. We teach by how we share our bread and cup. We teach by how we respond in word and deed to the tough questions that come at us every day. We teach. We are the curriculum that shapes and reforms our understandings of God and God's activity in the world. Each one of us, as individuals and together, teach by how we live. With the power of the Holy Spirit behind us and dwelling within us, may we be about the work of teaching God's love and justice. May we be about the work of teaching God's care and compassion. May we be about the work of teaching God's joy and presence. May we teach so that all God's people may come to know the one who claims us in the waters of baptism. May we teach by how we live about the one who feeds us at the table with the bread of life in the cup of salvation. May we teach And may we continue to be taught by the power of the Holy Spirit alive within us so that others may come to know how Christ is at work in their life. So that others may come to know how Christ is at work in the world. We teach. We are the curriculum. We are the ones who shape how people come to know and understand God at work in the world. We are the recipients of the Great Commission, the ones who are sent out to baptize and to teach so that all people may know of the love of God at work in their lives. With the power of the Holy Spirit, may we teach this day 
so that all people may feel in their heart of hearts the waters of God's love claiming them and naming them and pulling them into deeper community with God. For the world is crying out to be taught. The world is crying out to know God's love. The world is crying out with tough, tough questions. May we stand and teach by how we live this day and forevermore. Amen.